Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, and welcome to Pastor Michael Olson. Yay. On the Deepen Podcast. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, here, here we all are. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Um Week two of the series. It's one of my favorite parts of the book of Philippians. Although, can you have a favorite part of a book like this? I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, starts off. We covered the the section there. The pericope, as you said, very nice. Uh, verse three to eleven. So, man, he starts off. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy. And it was a question that, that you posed to us, Pastor Joby, but I mean, who in your life stirs gratitude and joy in your prayer life? Well, the list is long. I, I don't think I did a very good job tonight of, of conveying the place, the, the people of 1122 have in my heart, mm-hmm. even the people that I don't necessarily know mm-hmm. that I know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, when... And especially a little later when Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way because, you know, sometimes I'm accused of only having like one feeling. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> By the way, I'm so glad Olsen is here for this one. You did it on, I mean, you did it on This purpose. is like a freaking butterfly in a garden right here just looking for places to land. I you love never it. do anything not on purpose. <laughs> oh, but um, uh, lots of the, all the elders, I mean, I can name them mm-hmm. all by name. Yeah. But... When I like when I think Petey, I just thank God for that man mm-hmm. and what he's done in my life. A bunch of our staff folks. I mean, I don't know. The list goes on and on and on. Um, and you know how Michael, you know this because you're on stage all the time up there with me. Um, you people basically sit in the same place all the time too, and there are just these familiar faces every every Thursday or Sunday at nine eleven twenty two. Like so, when I look out and I see Doctor Osher. Right, I mean, just this giant of the faith battling cancer, and you. When we get to learn the secret of being content in any situation, it's just him. That's that verse personified right there. Mm. I just think about that. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude when I see that guy. Mm. I could go on and on and on of folks in our church. Mm. Osher leads me in worship every week. Mm. I love him very much. Uh, what about you, Michael? Who stirs gratitude and joy as you pray when you think of them? Yeah, man. I, I feel like I have a couple different categories of these people. You know, um, you said something interesting. Uh, you know, this was written about 10 years after he planted the church. So there's some distance and some time. And it's not like he's got Facebook to, you know, pop mm-hmm. up and check in on how things are going. Um, and so I have that category. I, I do feel very blessed and fortunate to be a part of this place, the 1122. Um, and I, I have, I think that's what Paul is getting at. There's a sense of gratitude for the overarching community, just what God's doing in general. And I think you probably see it way more than I do because you've been here longer than I have. But, you know, for me, I'm six and a half years into the movement and you're right. You start to look out and it's a big group of people, but you do start to see also individual stories and names. Mm-hmm. 
And then you start to realize that the church is big church, but man, it really is a collection of individuals. And then your gratitude starts to like boil down to that level. And, um, and I do have people here as a part of this community, people that I work with, people that I work alongside who uh, have been a part of my discipleship. Walt Hill mm. is one of these guys. Love that guy. I've seen Jesus grow in Walt Hill. He's been a guy that I've been invested investing in for years and he's blessed me, you know? And then I have people, um, you know, that have impacted my life. We've had sort of this mutual sharing, uh, from way long ago, man. And whenever I think of them, I go, man, I would be a different dude if that guy hadn't stepped up and made an investment in my life at that pivotal time, I'd be a totally different person. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I got, I got a lot of those kind of folks. Michael, I can remember when when you first came to town, you know, connected to Brit, and you're sitting like in my dining room talking about potentially coming here. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know that you believed what I was selling about 1122. I can just remember going, look, man, I know you've had big church experience, and I know you're super talented, but this group of people, like, we, they really love each other, and it really at least from my perspective, it really is this place of authenticity. I mean, people aren't perfect, but man, there are just these pockets of family around this place, on staff and in the congregation, that it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to believe until you experience it. Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, I don't know if this is the way you wanted this podcast to go. And uh, we'll see if I'm welcome back if it ever happens again. But but relationship in ministry is tough, mm-hmm. and this is not like a woe is me for the pastor. You know that's that it'd be lame. <laughs> that's not a really a really biblical attitude for pastoral. You know, sure. um, the the posture of a pastor. But ministry inside in or relationships inside ministry can be isolating. It totally can be, and relationship is based on trust. You know, and so. We've all been in relationships. All of us have been in relationships where that trust is fractured and it leaves you in a position of, man, could I ever, could I ever engage at that level? I mean, this is, there's people all over sitting in every seat mm-hmm. that are working on this level. We're doing it. And what's really amazing is Paul, uh, he's pretty wide open here with his heart. You know, think about the stuff that maybe this guy had been through. <laughs> he been he did some folks champ out on him. You know, who who knows what had happened with the Philippians by the time he read or he wrote this letter to them, and and here he is bearing his soul uh, in gratitude and affection for these people. It's remarkable. Well, and me. it started that way. Okay, Lydia is a cool convert, right? Because she's open to the gospel. She's a God fearer. Trying to figure out what her next step is, and then he has this theological conversation with her, and she's a person of means. That's cool in ministry. Okay, <clears throat> then a then a demonic slave girl, and then the third person that leaves the Christ is the guy that beat him and put him in chains. Yeah, and when it says in stocks, that means that like this jailer contorted their bodies to be so uncomfortable, and then locked them up so that they had to stay there that night that way potentially like upside down with your feet chained to a wall or something like that. Chains fall off, doors open, in comes jailer. And what Paul does, man, 
is Paul does not treat him the same way that he was treated. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the core of the beginning of the church at Philippi. It's very different people, three very different backgrounds, all drawn together because of the gospel. You said something that hit me tonight. I wrote it down on this card. <laughs> and uh, you talked about, you were talking about covenant membership. Mm-hmm. And you said a word. It's a buzzword for me. It's a buzzword. It almost like triggers some stuff in me, which never happens to me, <laughs> you know. But uh, you you said the word. Uh, you said the words Christian consumer. Man, uh, within the within the life of the church, how easy is it to relegate? your position to that inside the local church. Honestly, if let me let's just be really honest. In 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 church leadership culture, um, you know, there was an epidemic there for a while of of people that I knew in worship ministry that were serving two years or so, and then it got hard mm-hmm. and they just went somewhere else because it was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's all rooted in this consumer mentality. Well Paul is, he's demonstrating and calling people to something that's completely, it's a completely different ethic. It's the, uh, the ethic of self-sacrifice. There's, there's virtually no consumerism other than like, uh, I'm writing this letter to take up an offering. You know what I mean? But it's really for th- that, even that is for their benefit. Yep. And when you said that, uh, and, and then you, you called the people to engage in a non-consumeristic way. Right. Man, if you're going to be a part of this thing, jump in. This is not, a, I mean, we're, you call it a church service, but it's not a service for you. Correct. It's a service for the Lord. Correct. And this is a place for you to find your place of service to others in ministry here. And I, I thought that was awesome. And when you do, you'll never be bored and you'll never be confused. Hmm. I love that part. Yeah, because it, I mean, listen, man. It'd be easy to be a consumer at our church, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I mean, with the with the the creative elements we have, and the music is good, and the room's real big, so you could just show up and hide and mm-hmm. just be entertained <clears throat> by some sermons and try to not let it get on you and and just feel like you've done a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm okay. There's a step for that mm-hmm. in a person's progressive sanctification mm-hmm. following. The shepherd, yep. but that's it. Ain't it's for a it's for a some designated point of time. But you can't just stay there forever. Mm-hmm. Or if you find yourself like if we're like the sixth church you've been to in the last six years, it might not be the church. Yeah, mm-hmm. say it's like a it's like a risk that we're we're willing to take because if we wanted to eliminate it completely, we could make it really uncomfortable, right? Or Listen, really... we could be as terrible as you want. Or <laughs> exactly. Well, here's the thing too. Well, I mean, part of why I said it tonight. Um, just from like a like a looking at the scorecard kind of thing, we're in great shape. I mean, our attendance is higher than it's ever been. Our we got buildings all over the place. Our the 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 giving is through the roof. You know, all of those things. So we're not we're not like there's not like this pressing need on us as an organization. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to communicate what Paul is trying to communicate to his people because what was true from Paul to the church at Philippi is true today to the church of 1122. For sure. Mm-hmm. I am praying this for you. Mm-hmm. And if you are a Christian consumer as opposed to a covenant member, you are missing out completely on a life of discipleship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is no 
sola Christianity. It is a team, family, body of Christ sport. Does everybody know what's... Can you, can you just... In the um, Reformation, there were yeah. some solas. Thank you. Like, I don't know all the Latin ones, but it was faith alone, grace alone, scripture. Christ alone, scripture alone. What's the last one? There's a fifth one. You said grace, Man, faith. I put you on the spot. I was just thinking about the Latin words. <laughs> if Brent was here, he'd have Sola, it on spade. Sola yeah. fide, yeah. faith alone, sola scriptura, uh, so grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. What is the last one? I don't know. A bunch of pastors in here. Shame on us. Yeah, I feel terrible. So there's no sola Christianity, though. It's good. Oh, soli deo gloria, oh. the glory of God alone. There you go. We, we missed it. Unbelievable. <laughs> What throws you off is that it's so Lee, you know, because I yeah. think it's the, the grammatical thing. Anyway, so you said, uh, I was listening to a podcast recently that I'm sure you listened to also, uh, and the context was leadership, that leaders move from being I-focused to you-focused, like others-focused, you know? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, like, his prayer is you-focused. You know, I'm praying for you versus... Thank you, God, that I am so great. Uh, why is it so easy? I mean, that's convicting for me. Why, why is it so easy to be totally self-centered in prayer all the time? Well, there's, there's even a difference, though. <clears throat> like, dear God, I need help. Okay, mm-hmm. that's about me. But the, <laughs> that, that traditional prayer was, thank you, God, that I am. Mm-hmm. Whoa. You want to talk about a... Meocentric prayer mm-hmm. as opposed to a theocentric prayer. There's no problem with give us this day our daily bread. God, mm-hmm. I need help. Because that's still like, God, I need you to help me. Mm-hmm. But the prayer that starts with God, I thank you for me, mm-hmm. that is a scary. So it's it's just cool to see, um, especially in Philippians, in the order of the first three major salvations in Philippi, mm-hmm. that now when Paul thinks about them, he's thanking God for them instead of thanking God for himself. I mean, there's been a... Because what you pray will reveal what is important in your heart. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. comes a lot, I think, from our... just We're just baked in this self-actualization kind of culture, and we even apply that spiritually of like, I need to achieve some sort of level. And so as I'm praying, I'm like, I want to advance some sort of thing that's going on in me. I want to pray to advance my sanctification, which is... I guess not a bad desire, but... Yeah, I I actually thought about when you asked the question, you know, I think one of the greatest resources we have in terms of modeling a life of prayer is the Psalms. So pray through the Psalms. There's a lot of I prayers in the Psalms, but they're all to the characteristic of... Desperation. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like um, 51 or whatever. You know, it's just... uh, that, That is, a I think, a wonderful guide to the life of prayer and communion with God. Um, I think what, what, what I hear you saying is like, there's, again, this treating God like a vending machine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's me-o-centered. It's like me-centered. Mm-hmm. It's not God-centered prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, I haven't heard, I had a really good friend who went through an, an immense amount of pain in his life. And he, he, he lost a child mm-hmm. and, uh, I couldn't imagine that. And he, he said he, he prayed for the safety of his children every night. 
and he couldn't understand why this thing would have happened. And eventually he, this is, this is, listen, this is deep, deep spirituality, like God-centered spirituality. He realized that, that God wasn't a vending machine and that, he, that his posture of prayer was moving from just asking these questions to hands open like this, mm-hmm. receiving what God would want from him. Mm-hmm. And him then being a conduit of blessing to the world around, actually through his pain. Mm-hmm. Fantastic to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is something to see uh, people make the shift to moving themselves out of the, min- the middle of the story, mm. you know? Yeah. yeah, I do think there's a lot of confusion in modern evangelical discipleship because of the unbelievable access that we have to discipleship tools, you know? many of which we should be grateful for, some of which, not all of them, but, you know. And so people can get into this routine, like, I'm going to do with my spiritual development what I do with my body, you know what I mean? So there's like this self-actualization, self-advancement, like I'm going to make me a better version of myself through these spiritual disciplines. That's a bit different than what Paul prays, that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Mm-hmm. This is not about the glory and praise of me. This is about the glory and praise of God. And he talks about fruit here, which goes back to John 15, that it's just abide in me and, and I will abide in you. Mm-hmm. That the fruit is produced, not manufactured. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like manufactured discipleship versus pro I mean think about it like fruit in the grocery store is in the produce section cuz you cannot manufacture it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love your uh sta- staple an orange to a 2 by 4 deal. Does right. not yeah. make it an orange tree, right? But what you do is you just lean into him and then the things happen love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are not the goal. It's the result. Mm-hmm. The goal is abiding in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I I'm sure it's happened to us, right? Like you don't realize you're being sanctified. Because hmm. if you tr- <laughs> think about this, if you try to work on patience, you can't, how do you, how do you, isn't that the most impatient thing to try to be patient, right? <laughs> so your only hope is to abide in him. And then he creates a thing through him, through you that mm-hmm. buds out depending on the right season. And you're like, oh my goodness, look, he is at work in me. Do you think the reason why? we have a tendency towards those. I, <laughs> I'm not a, I've never been a numbers guy in my life. Right. I'm not a data guy. I'm a, I'm probably the feeler of feelers who through pain and life experience is learning how to use my mind in order to <laughs> catch up with my heart. You know what I mean? That's, that's just who I am. But, uh, we do have a tremendous tendency, someone I think is a, a real modern way of thinking, to just, we want to check a box, man. We want to quantify totally. our spirituality. We want to, we we you say it all the time, man. This is, you know, what's the spirit of getting involved in a disciple group? What is it? Is it so that you could say that you went to the disciple group? And then you could, then you meet the Lord one day and you say, I went to the disciple group because Joby told me to go to the disciple group, you know? And he's like, you missed the point. Correct. The point is me. Like the point is the joy of this thing that brings you to this place of communion with God. Even discipline. We had Vinky and I were having a conversation 
uh, he did a wonderful teaching in a in a, a environment with our worship leaders and production staff. And we were talking about discipline. Discipline is a goal to get to some desired place. You know what I mean? The goal of spiritual disciplines is God is to right. be with God, and uh, and a lot of us we just we're so stuck in the rut of quantifying our spirituality Mm -hmm. because we're actually wrapped around the axle of us in insecurity Mm -hmm. that we never get to the point where we enjoy the end of what Mm -hmm. it's actually all about. That's a big part of, you know, one of the things I said I pray for our church is that they would see themselves the way God sees them, man. Like he's a good dad and he loves you and he's he's lavishing his love upon you. And Mm -hmm. like, if you saw that, you would really want to spend time with your dad that mm. treated you that way. Mm-hmm. If you think he's a drill sergeant and you have to do push-ups to earn his favor, then that's what you'll do, mm-hmm. and you'll be forever disappointed. Actually, one of two things will happen. You'll either live a life of utter despair because you'll never live up to it, or you'll be a self-righteous religious Pharisee mm-hmm. that thinks you're better than everybody else because you can pass the push-up test. Mm-hmm. Despair is probably better. It doesn't feel better, but it, you're closer to Jesus because you're spiritually bankrupt there. But that is not who he is, man. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, this, this is like all of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s and were basically told, if you don't do a quiet time every morning, uh, you're going to hell. Or when I was coming along, we had journals, you know, and if you didn't journal, you couldn't be a Christian. And I thought, well... I'm out. I, do you know how many journals I have with one page filled out, man? I mean... So many because I thought that was the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's not. Um, it, it's so much more about. There are disciplines for sure. You don't only read your Bible when you feel like it, right? Because it is it is nourishment for your soul. Yeah. <clears throat> but it the discipline is doing the work to figure out what are the environments that just stir my affections for the Lord. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. You could read a lot of Bible. You could read a little bit of Bible. You can memorize whole chapters, or you can memorize a verse. Don't get caught up in the watering schedule. Pay attention to the fruit that God is producing. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. it's great. I love it. It's amazing when you see the way that you see, uh, or God exposes you to a view of your relationship with Him that's transactional. You know, it's like what you said was like. If you think the disciplines or even, hey, I prayed this for my family, God, don't, doesn't that mean you owe me something? Well, it just shows you that you're viewing the whole thing as a transaction and, yeah. and not a relationship. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about this aspect of community. A big focus of what you shared, uh, Pastor Toby, was about community with other believers. But before, I mean, it, it struck me as we were talking that, you know, this is the book of joy, which you've said many times. Right. And he talks about thanking God for these friends of his, right? And so I wonder, you know, what's the connection of joy and contentment to being grateful for your friends? Well, um, man, I don't know where these thoughts come from. I read my Bible, I study hard, I ask God to give me a sermon, and then I have these ideas, so I write about them, I talk about them. It Mm -hmm. seems to me that two ditches that people fall into in relationships Mm -hmm. are credit and, and comparison. Right. And that will rob you of the joy of a mm-hmm. godly relationship that God could have for you. Mm. I mean, the moment you you feel that, mm. there's, there's like criticisms and credit are kind of two sides of the same coin. You know, like somebody's telling a story, bragging on Olsen about something, and I feel like I need to make sure everybody knows I'm the lead pastor. Mm. 
that if that thing begins to Paul never does that mm-hmm. with his with yeah. his friends in Philippi. Mm-hmm. You know, he never has to one up them, and then he's also not comparing them. Um, because man, it's so easy to do, right? I prayed every day that you would protect my kids. Why are you elevating those people's kids? They don't even love you. Mm-hmm. And the moment that begins to happen, man, mm. joy is out the window. That's right. When you were talking tonight about that, uh, you you got into some uh, Trinitarian stuff there, mm-hmm. and I think that's worth like, okay, let's let's mine this out. And and I I don't. You actually got into like some creation theology, mm-hmm. um, and. I don't think that we sit and dwell long enough on the big picture stuff that informs everything Everything. else about reality. Namely, who God is. God in three persons, like, so the word Trinity is never in the, you know, biblical canon, but Mm -hmm. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit everywhere. And so we, you know, we use the term, uh, God existing eternally in three persons, completely in complete love and adoration of himself rightfully. Mm-hmm. Like just, just the father admonishing the value of the son over and over and over again. The spirit pointing, you know what I mean? At the son over, there's never been a sense of debtor deady relationship within the Trinitarian reality. Never yeah, one yeah. time. Think about the way Jesus, think about the way God the Son talks about God the Father when asked, and I sit at your right and left hand. Yeah. And God the Son says about God the Father, that's up to him, not me. Yeah. And yet, God yeah. the Son, all things were created by him, for him, through him, and to him. It is nothing but mutual submission and complete and total satisfaction. And wanting or needing for nothing. Yeah, and God creating everything out of a sense of this, right? Overflow is the only thing, only it. word I can think of that would make sense. An overflow of his goodness and glory and mm-hmm. onto the canvas of creation. So compare that with every relationship that you have ever. <laughs> it's always, what can I get out of this? Mm-hmm. Or it, what did you do to me? Or whatever. Yeah. Immediately. On the, on the, sorry, I mean to cut you off. It's a bad podcast, Juju. But like on the, on the, on the most personal scale and on the global scale, just fracture everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. That's the James thing, right? Like what causes fights? It's your passions at war within you. You know, what you want, you don't get. Um, haven't you experienced though, to talk about like that ease and peace and contentment in relationship, haven't you experienced some relationships or tastes of it where it's just like, I am completely at ease? Like, those are the best friends, right? Totally. The friend that you can sit with and have zero comparison. But isn't always zero. the one that you primarily think about serving instead of, like, what they do for you never crosses your mind? Mm. Like, your posture is not comparison. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when a good thing happens to them, you genuinely rejoice mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. versus saying, well, what about me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the kind of relationship that God invites us to. I mean, I love what you said. You know, when you're talking about your prayers again, uh, God's not mad at you, you know? And if you can sit with God in that way, where it's like, I'm, I have peace with God, Romans 5.1, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And we can sit in that, we can sit in that space of absolute, 
comfort with each other. That's that's abiding. Bro, and if that doesn't stir up gratitude and worship and like all the all the things, mm. you know? Well, you you got there. Uh so in the sermon, you you got there. You you talked about that Trinitarian oneness, you know, this this sense of God pouring admiration and love and affection. And then you got to John. Mm-hmm. And you you talked about John 15 and and this idea this it's so scandalous. It's cra- it makes no sense. Right. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. What? And then he says, and in 17, he prays, and I want you all to be one like I am one with the Father. Mm. Like our friendship, our gospel partnership should be as close and as unified as God the Son is to God the Father. Yeah, that's a like, you're like, hold on. Yeah. No wonder the Pharisees said he was blasphemous. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was beyond the category of what they could ever imagine. And I want you to stay there. I want you to, like, just dwell there. I don't want you to, like, get a sense of it and then check out and go to some other mm-hmm. reality where you're still free. I actually want you to, I want you to live there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's otherworldly to me. Mm. So now, all right, so let's get a little personal, right? So we go home tonight. Our wives will probably all be asleep tomorrow morning when they wake up. Actually, I forgot we were doing this, and I texted my wife and said, babe, I forgot we were doing this. So we'll see. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so now when you get a verse like, so husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm-hmm. This is way more now than taking out the trash and saying the prayers. This is, as the Father has loved me, and I have loved you, so love one another. I had a, uh, I had a really, I, I've been doing some weddings. And I love my favorite part is the counsel. I do counseling too, and I I love it. And I had this really sweet couple who they've been married just a little bit. I hope they're not. I don't know if they're listening, but they know who they are, and I'm not saying names to protect the you know whatever. But it, they're going through some hard stuff, man. Just yeah. interpersonal hard stuff, whatever. And it was it's it just like they're not relating to each other easily. Let's say, not like my wife and me, you know. And uh, and she said. Uh, is it supposed to be this hard? And I go, yes, <laughs> yes, it's death. You know, it is, it's the most wonderful death. You are this lovely person that you said, I want to spend the, you know, it's this all, there's flowers <laughs> and, you know, music and just all this stuff. And it is an invitation to die. It's like, you know what I mean? It is a lot like a funeral if you think about it. <laughs> I think that there's some people that just get lucky, um, just kind of contractually, their personalities line up. Okay, and mm-hmm. but I do think that just sort of stays on a surface. Mm. And then there's some folks that realize that one of the most sanctifying things God is going to use in their life is this person they promised they would lay down their life for like Christ laid down his life for us. Mm-hmm. And then it's a to- now you're not looking for tranquility. You're looking I mean think about this man that that I'm I'm going to present Gretchen washed in the word to the Lord as Christ presents the bride. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's different than I read the five love languages and I know how to like wash the dishes at the right time, so we have good Saturdays. We're not talking about the same thing anymore, man. Yeah, right. 
we're talking about big leagues. Big, yeah. Well, well, later Paul's going to talk about suffering for the sake of the gospel. That ain't just mission trips, man. That's like I am going like my attitude, Philippians two, towards my wife should be the same as Christ's attitude towards me who went to the cross. Mm-hmm. What's hilarious about the whole marriage thing is even if you do, the cards get dealt right. And the personalities, it's like, you know, little friction. You're going to have kids. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Then. And it's going to be over anyway. It's, over. <laughs> it's another level. You know what I mean? Introduce additional humans to the yeah, equation. Man. That'll make it easier. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, and then what makes you crazy about your children is what you what what makes what drives you insane is all the parts they got from you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Where I, in the world did you get that trait from? Spawned. Who, does, who does that sound like? Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, Paul, should, should we stop and pray? <laughs> stop and pray. Pray for our wives, honestly. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, he says, uh, "It is right that I feel this way about you." This is one of the most you mentioned. It's one of the most affectionate sections of Paul talking about how he feels. You know, he's correct. He's very affectionate towards Timothy. He says, "I remember you with two years and all this kind of stuff." Who was with him in all this? Yes, um, and and it's right that I feel this way, and. You kind of touched on it just a minute ago, but what is it about our Christian connection that opens the door for that kind of affection? And part B would be, why does why does it seem like so few people live with those kind of relationships? Because we are image bearers of God. We right. were created in his image. We reflect who he is. So the real thing that'll blow your mind is he feels that way about you, and he would say, and it's right for me to feel that way about you because mm. I have you in my heart. Mm. Like, for God so loved the world, it's mm-hmm. so familiar mm. that we forget. Like, he he would love you enough and demonstrate his love that he would send his son, shed his the blood of his son. He would be pleased to crush him for his own glory. And when he looks at you, like whatever the best feeling you've ever had for your child— it, it pales in comparison to the way God loves his kids. Uh, you mentioned the question that I sent you yeah. uh, in the sermon, which I was, I've was i been thinking about. That's it. what and led me to the John 15, John 17 thing, so thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. I was just reading through the text. And yeah, that's a good observation. I have one more question, though. Oh, good. Do you think Paul pre-road to Damascus doesn't hit me as a very affectionate man? I concur. Like there's some fruit that's born in this guy. You're, uh, rewind, go back to the last episode. Uh, law and terror, yeah. right? Law yeah. and terror, law and terror. Yeah. Grace and peace. There's some supernatural transaction that moves Paul from the tyrannical, you know what I mean, to the affectionate heart. Mm-hmm. And... It's like you read that, and if you're sensitive to it, you're like, oh, God, will you do that in me? Mm. Will you move me away from this harsh? You know, sometimes I talk to guys, you know, that are uh, super career-oriented, and they're really, really – I mean, I I had some drive in me in previous days too, but like – and they something happens in their life. God, God does stuff, and sometimes it's pain and all this kind of stuff. 
but their priorities shift. My father-in-law talks about how he just started crying all the time after he had his heart attack. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's just some fruit that's born in him through these God encounters. And it, it brings a sense of sensitivity and tenderness, God tenderness, I think, into the human spirit. And, uh, and I, I need that. I, I desire that in my family and in my work here. Well, what I thought of when you raised that question, you know, how does he know the affection of Jesus? Well, Paul writes, if, you, you know, if you're familiar with the other, other things that he writes, he writes as if he did know Jesus. Like in the flesh, just like a disciple, right? He says, "I'm a like a basically like an apostle, untimely born." Correct. He also says that I, the gospel that I received, I didn't receive from man; I received directly from Jesus. Which could be that like three year Arabia trip. So I'm talking about. You know, that's some, but it's still different. Like he wasn't yes. at the Last Supper; For he sure. didn't see yes. Jesus walk on water. I mean, I think what was interesting about your question that that I'm glad you brought up that we can abide in Christ too by abiding in his word mm. and know the affection of Christ, even mm. though we were, we didn't walk the, the right. sand streets of right. Jerusalem with him either. Mm. And that's how we love each other because we've, we've received Correct. his love. So talk to the person. So there's a, there's a believer out there listening and they got a brother or sister in Christ that they don't like, much less love, <laughs> and they're commanded, like Romans twelve ten, love each other with brotherly affection. What do you tell that person? Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot of Romans. Like, as much as it is possible, live peaceably with your brother. So sometimes it's impossible. I mean, there are mm-hmm. man. There, are, so I would never encourage somebody to put themselves in a dangerous or unhealthy situation, mm-hmm. and then put a Bible verse like Matthew eighteen on it or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. The quickest way to change your heart for somebody is start praying for them, not about them. I'm glad you said that. Because when you were talking about praying, I, that's the first thing that came to mind. Is And I think I heard you say it first. Yeah, just pray for them. Like pray that God would bless them and that God would give you the ability to rejoice when he blesses mm. them. That thing will change your heart, man. That's mm. different than praying about them. Because mm. when you pray about people, you really are praying for you and that this person will line up <laughs> in accordance with to you mm. and what you're your like, life. You're like gossiping to God. <laughs> yeah, totally. God, I pray <laughs> Steve would shut his mouth. <laughs> it goes back to the other thing we were talking about earlier about wanting God to give us our vending machine prayer request, right? Because if we're only praying that God changes somebody else so that we'll feel better, then we're the sinner, right? We're saying, God, this person is annoying to me, so would you change them so that I don't have to be annoyed anymore? Yeah. Not totally. that I would actually be in. And think about the fruit. We talked about being filled with the fruit of righteousness, mm-hmm. all right? So Galatians says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what's not on the list? Truth. You know what Christians talk about all the time? Truth. Mm. And oftentimes they can do it at the expense of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. Like Ephesians doesn't say, just say everything that's true. It says, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building up the needs of the hearer. Half the Christian podcasts right now are standing up for truth. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the truth. Mm -hmm. You have to defend him about like you got to defend the lion. He can handle it. Now, I'm not saying you don't, I'm not anti-truth whatsoever. Yeah. You know, full of grace and truth. Yeah, man. But you got to be full of them both. But if you look at the fruit of the spirit, kindness gentleness, 
What's crazy is in our world, man, the definition of what it means to be a Christian man these days, we wouldn't want really any of the fruit of the Spirit to describe us. And yet that is like the measuring stick of discipleship. Yeah. Boy, if we can get into biblical masculinity here, bro, I'm all I'm in it. Let's I'm t- into it, man. I, pre- <laughs> I know you did. It's like our it's like one of our it's our second most downloaded thing. It but that's so all good. it is, just unpack the I know. word of God and try to blow up all the myths of you know. Yeah, for, for sure. We need a different measuring stick. Yeah, it's here. It's yeah. That we would be filled with the fruit of the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. And again, you let scripture interpret scripture. And are you becoming more loving, more gentle, mm-hmm. more kind, more patient? Are you growing in self-control? The, I mean, this is what, there's a lot of conversation in the church leadership world about what is a disciple. Mm. And we have a version of trying to define that. But the reason I put together our discipleship journey the way I did is because there is no end. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you ever think you made one, <laughs> I mean, think about that. The, the commandment is to make disciples. Well, how do you know if you made one? Yep. I think the moment that you that you think you're finished, you are. You are done. Mm-hmm. Well, we like to measure stuff, man. Yeah, totally. we do. And God honestly just doesn't work in our timetable. He, you know, I, I've got some relationships in my life right now um, that I would say that I've I've been a part of the discipleship journey of these folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have. I have memories of being so frustrated, years of being frustrated. Totally. And the reality is, is that God loves, you said it, God loves your kids more than, you you know, more than you do. God loves these people more than I do. Totally. And he's working this process of sanctification out in their life. I'm not in charge of the timetable of that. He is. He's doing this. I'm going to be used by him in it. And I'm happy to say that one of the most wonderful experiences has been in time, not my time, in his time, to see the fruit of Christ born in these people as the Spirit of God has led them through the process of sanctification and self-awareness. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, th- and then they begin to change. And you, have, you, you find yourself sitting across a breakfast table or whatever, and you're like, they're like, oh, and you're like, what? We did it's going, you know, it's happening. And it's just super rewarding. So. I saw this uh, Instagram video thing. It's pretty hilarious. And it just says, this is literally Jesus and me. And it's this farmer digging the sheep out of a ditch. Have you seen this? I mean, he's down, he's got mud all over him. The, 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 the sheep is like face down in this muddy ditch, but in the air. And this shepherd farmer guy is like digging him out, gets him up in the field. And the thing just... Does a big loop, goes about 25 yards, boom, right back in it. <laughs> it's like, okay, you literally, that is me too, because that's it. But ministry is so frustrating, mm-hmm. so frustrating. Because mm. you think, what are you doing? Like, I taught you this. You know better. I told you it would bankrupt your life if you go down this road. And you were doing, okay, it's so frustrating. And I can remember. Within the past year or two, I was having a conversation with one of my children, which I will not name, and I, at the top of my lungs, yell, if you would just do what I say, your life would be amazing. And I've told about this on stage, but, and I'm telling you, the Spirit of God went, yeah, hey, buddy, say that one more time. I was like, I'll tell him. (laughs) I was like, oh, wait a minute. 
Oh, it's about it me. It is so Damn true. It. But, okay, so 15 years of student ministry, I clung to, I am confident of this, that he yeah. who began a good work. Because I was there, man. That kid, you know, we, we're not doing emotionalism, hand-raised stuff. We preach the gospel and ask people to repent of their sin, put their faith in Jesus, confess him as Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. all right? And then they did it. And it seemed as real as real gets. And then a year later, they ain't into it. Mm. Or there just may be a thing. That's the thing, man. In our current world, I mean, there are the obvious sins, and then there are like the hidden sins. So maybe you quit drinking, you quit smoking, you quit cussing, you quit sleeping around, but you're dealing with like lust and pride and these things that just aren't yeah. Overt to everybody. Who's to say that the one person isn't being sanctified just as fast as the other one? Mm-hmm. There's just different areas that the Lord is is refining in them in that moment. That's one of the hardest things about doing ministry is that you don't really know a lot of times how effective you're you're being because you like you said, you could see real positive stuff for a long time and then it tanks. Or, I feel like or Paul the, had or that the too. other way. Yeah. Man, he's oh. like <clears throat> He's all, you know, he's angsty for sure, you know. I know nothing about that, by the way. <laughs> but he's just, he's, you know, he's he's grateful. He's full of affection and gratitude. And he's also got a little bit of angst in Not him. Not that uh, the Galatians weren't, I mean. Yeah. Hmm. Or even Jesus comes off the mountain of transfiguration. And he's like, oh, you faithless generation. How must how long must I put up with you? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that gives me a little bit of hope for my own ministry. <laughs> but the crazy part is... <laughs> I, I typically judge everybody else's actions, but I want God to judge my intentions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That's called the fundamental attribution error. Tell us more. It's a thing. So That's it, a lot of syllables, man. The fundamental attribution error is that I attribute other people's negative behavior to their character, but mind my circumstances. Mm. So somebody else cuts me off in traffic. I'm like, that guy is a total jerk. But if I cut somebody off, it's an accident because I was just a little bit distracted, but I'm really a great guy if you got to know me. You know, it's a real thing. I believe it. Yeah. You talked about uh, screens Mm. and loneliness and how we can be isolated. There's lots of reasons why we can be isolated. I do think that one of the shadows, like during the pandemic, the ability to FaceTime or do a Zoom meeting or whatever was arguably... You could argue this both ways, <laughs> a benefit. But one of the downsides is this lack of connection, this lack of community. Well, it's like a pool in your backyard. It's it can be a great gift of God, mm-hmm. and somebody can drown in it. That's right. So, how do you personally? I mean, so you you have social media. You're connected with other, with other folks, and you use it as a you want to use it as a tool. I know, but how do you handle that tool to not? disconnect you or to create that sense of isolation in you or your family or for your kids or whatever. I mean, we do a little of the, hopefully every family's got some kind of rhythm, you know, like don't bring your phone to the table or there's just some of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're the first generation to ever have to navigate this. Yep. And you gotta be, you gotta be a little careful, right? Like, um, you can be extreme in either way, and I think you're in trouble. I mean, the, the, the kids that we are raising, you know, some people are like, nope, no screens for you ever. I, they're going to be at a major disadvantage. Mm. Yeah. Um, like currently, you can't apply for a college. 
without some kind of screen. Mm-hmm. So if you can't navigate those kind of things, it, it would be like not allowing your children to ever drive a car because it was, you know, cars weren't in the Bible. And then the other extreme would be to just just go with the flow, man. Mm. Um, I think times of fasting is very wise. I think this is where a band of brothers helps. Like, is there somebody in your life that can point out to you? I think you're looking at that too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Gretchen just, not she did it years and years ago. She just had it. She was wise enough to sense that when she spent too much time on things like Pinterest and particularly Instagram, those two, the comparison trap got her every time. And she could physically feel herself feel different. So she just got off all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of wisdom and self-control. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, you should, maybe there's somebody in your life that could look and see and that you're inviting them into it. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my mind, my emotional makeup, and my personality does not bode well with social media. Mm-hmm. I haven't been on it for three years. Um, this is very funny. So I'm, I'm blissfully unaware of many things. Uh, I could, you know, we make fun of the Amish a lot. Not me. I don't make, and you don't make, <laughs> allegedly. I'm not going to get allegedly, but I find myself comparing myself to the Amish quite a bit. I might have a hat, you know, I don't know. I'm turning butter. I legitimately <laughs> made butter the other day. It's not a joke. I made some of my own butter. That does not surprise me. Anyway, all this to say, like, I do feel like, um, a funny thing is happening in our world. My son, Brody, who I just, so proud of him. He's so great. Just, he's 14. He's going to be 14 in a couple weeks. And, uh, um, we, we are on the conservative side at our house and your kids are older than mine. So we can learn from you, you know, but, uh, we got him a wa- you know, like an Apple watch. Mm-hmm. And now I'm realizing that there's a whole world that my kids are, uh, growing up in that I didn't grow up in. And I need the means of communication to communicate to them. (laughs) Today or yesterday, I sent my son a hilarious text. He's not supposed to look, you know, I don't know what if he's not his watch on school or if it's on some mode or something. I don't know, whatever. But we love basketball. We love we love basketball together and we watch games together and stuff. And I found out that Kevin Durant got traded to the Nets. So I just I found it out. He's in school. I take up my phone and I text him. I say, you know, or KD got traded to the Suns. Don't look at your watch in school. Smiley face. You know? <laughs> and and I and I'm realizing that maybe I need to engage a little bit more in social media to have a sense of connection with my boys to redeem it. Yeah. And pull them into relationship with me through it. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's a new thing for me. Mm. You, it, it is neat when you reach a level. My kid's 17, and he will send me the funniest, like. Yeah. The things like he just sends me the things that are so funny. And the other thing that's interesting so, you ask about social media. So, I hope this doesn't burst people's bubble that listen and stuff. I don't run my social media. Right. (gasps) I know, right? That wasn't you that gave me a thumbs up on my post. Well, I do that. (laughs) If I I may go through and like like a thing, Mm -hmm. but I'm not filming me preaching and then deciding which clips of me preaching go. We have a team of people that just everybody's got their job to proclaim the gospel, to push forward the gospel. And one of the ways we do it is through social media and stuff. And so what's funny is I don't keep up with any of those things. And then JP's friends 
or maybe it was Reagan's friends. One of my kids' friends were like, I, I was there. They were like, your dad is YouTube famous. You know what I mean? But I, I'm not a self-promoter. I don't do those things. I think, I think we should use these things as a tool for the proclamation of the gospel. I mean, one of the quickest ways, man, if you find yourself counting likes and those kinds of things, mm. that's probably sign number one. You've been, that is, you're moving away towards Jesus and right. towards self-centeredness mm-hmm. as opposed to self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so pay very close attention to that. My mm. wife is brilliant. She has a sales job. For sure. And she's brilliant at it. And I, I uh, she's got a way of doing it really authentically. I, I, I've heard. <laughs> I don't even know. And people come up to me and say, you're kids, man. You know, like whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know, that it's all true. Whatever. It's a, it's a funny phenomenon, man. Yeah. The way people get information and. It's, it's like a they riot. More, like they know more about you than you. Sometimes. I don't. Yeah. Like, what, but it's, okay. So, but the two things I talk about specifically in regards to relationships that you got to pay close attention to. Mm-hmm. If you are on your phone all the time when you are with people, that's a major red flag. Mm-hmm. The enemy is chipping away at your ability to connect with other human beings mm-hmm. in a face to face way, mm-hmm. and instead, he's he's giving you a counterfeit. And you think it's going to be okay, but it's not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Your Instagram is not going to help you when your life falls apart. Yeah. Okay. So then, on the other end of it too, is if when you, if you are in in times not of isolation but solitude, and the difference is purpose. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you can't get on your phone so that you can hear from God, then you better pay close attention to that. Yeah. If you got that little angsty feeling that you walked into a room without your phone, you should pay attention to that. There should be times where you detether and go breathe non-air-conditioned air and just be reminded of what the world sounds like. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite things about hunting is watching the world wake up. Yep. There's a time, like birds are not chirping. And then it gets about what we call gray light. It's about 25 minutes before sunrise. And then the first one fires off. And it like wakes a bunch of the other ones up. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't hear that if you got your your music playing in your ears nonstop. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that that if you don't know how to get away from people, you don't know how to be with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard a quote recently that attention is the most precious commodity these days, as evidenced by the trillions of dollars that are spent on the advertisements on that thing. Yeah, no you doubt. know what I mean? And so that is something to to be aware of, but also a tremendous opportunity. If you can give your attention to people. My kids. Undivided attention to them, you're giving them something incredibly precious. Yeah. Be, being present to them. I mean, how many times have I come home and been just like so spent that I just, I'm there, but I'm not there. So I was aggravated by a friend of mine relatively recently and I was like hey man you're on your phone too much and when you're with me you're on your phone nonstop. every time I look at you you're looking at your phone and they're like no I'm not you are I'm like okay so I just started taking a picture of him every time just send it to him no no I kept him (laughs) and I was like bro you've been on your phone and he's like I have not and I just sent him like airdrop 17 pictures different ones too like within the hour and a half ride you know I'm like bro you don't even realize it because that's what it does I mean these people have figured out the algorithms that makes the dopamine hit so that you just keep coming back. I mean, it's a thing, man. Yeah. I used to play drums for a living. Uh, and in the environment that I was playing drums, 
I, uh, I had in-ear monitors in all the time. And, uh, you know, I would do, we'd do rehearsals and I, we'd go these tours, you know, and it'd always be, you show up and put these monitors in, you're dialing in your monitor mix and you're talking to the monitor engineer. And I was, honestly, I was probably like four years in and I had realized that I hadn't actually heard what the drums sound like (laughs) without the things in my ears. And someone asked me to like go to hit, you know, go check something or whatever. And I went in and I grabbed and and I didn't have my ears in. I started playing. I'm like, these things are loud. (laughs) I had completely lost contact with what the instrument actually sounded like because I was living in this world. That'll preach. And I couldn't, actually, you can make an argument that there was this beautiful music to be played through those drums that I didn't have access to because I had lost touch with what actually was going on in front of Mm -hmm. me. You know what I mean? Living like a version of reality. Yeah. A version of the truth. <clears throat> One of the things I try so hard to do, so church gets over, service gets over, I go hang in the lobby, man, just to, I mean, these are our people. I don't, mm-hmm. it's still the weirdest thing to me. People line up to either for me to pray with them or say, hey, or sign a book or whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. And man, this is to your comment on attention. I try to stare a hole through their soul, through their eyes. I mean, I do. Just try not to, and man, my peripheral vision, I can see everything going on over there and every mm-hmm. muscle in my neck just wants to twitch to like, look at that, look at that, you know? Mm-hmm. Squirrel. <clears throat> and I do. I just want to be like, yeah. you have my undivided attention, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because... It means a lot. Yeah, because rea- realistically, there's probably not a lot of people, and and just, you know this, but you're you have a pastoral authority over a flock here and because of the nature of the position, that's a bad, you know, we tend to think in terms of no, hierarchical, but you have a position of influence and you're trying to leverage this influence to to make people aware of the character and the nature of God and the way he feels about them in their life. And if you, from your, this is like with your kids too, man. Totally. If you're not doing this thing with your kids, you know, you've seen those, the have you seen the the video clip that deal of the people that it was a challenge you just you just got to look at each other in the eye and not say a word oh, yeah. for however many Incredible. minutes and yeah. the people just no word is spoken especially the father son ones yeah they just start crying they just start crying booing yeah so <clears throat> solomon writes in proverbs know well the condition of your flock mm-hmm. and so think about this i don't who knows the mind of Solomon when he writes this down? I think he probably writes it when he's older and he's in charge of like the whole world. He's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's just thinking back to the simple days when he was a kid and his dad was like, hey, take care of these sheep. And he's like, oh, right? Mm-hmm. And so even, so like I got into this thing, man. I never thought I would be doing what I did today. Stand on stage in front of thousands of people. There's so many video cameras in my life and microphones and podcast. You know, there's all these kind of things. But I thought all I want to do is sit down with a group of people, open the Bible, and let's read it and teach it and do this thing together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when I was standing in the lobby, like tonight, man, I saw this lady. Um, she attends. A, she was here at San Pablo tonight, but normally you think she attends another campus. Man, she's just got some stuff going on in her life that, yep. I, that I know is just tough, 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 tough. And I honestly think at most churches, she may have been uninvited. 
just based on the things going on. And so I'm just about to walk in here, and I see her. She's talking to one of our care team folks. And so, and I also know, like, she's not a big hugger. She's socially, and I just walk up and go, you better get in here. I don't offer this to everybody. And she just laughed, and she just gives me the, like, the most innocent, pure hug. You know what I mean? And I just thought, man, this is what we do. You know, I know our church is big, and I know we, we're doing all that kind of stuff, but, man, isn't it just about know well the condition of your flock? Well, let me just say that, um, you know, there's many people, uh, smart people, people that I respect, actually, who say that this isn't good, that it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was taught that. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is, like, the biblical view of the growing, expanding church, um, but I will say that, and I, I think you know this and I, I feel it too, because, you know, I have this sort of like angsty, altruistic, prophetic, what, I don't even know what you would, I would just throw the whole thing out. I would, man. I would just be like, well, yeah, whatever. Let's just get in a house and, you know, have chips and open the Bible and let's chips. do this and it'll be great. I'll really know you and... And and it, there's value in it for sure. It, it is not. It's it 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 can be very exclusive. But you're you're skirting a line. And honestly, this movement is begging a lot of questions because we're we're trying to do some things in the spirit of authenticity here, authentic relationship at scale. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's hard to do. It, I think probably the only way that you can do it is to be in step with the Spirit of God, mm. is to be able to, to not get so engrossed in the vehicle of the thing and the grandiosity of it and mm. the bigness of it that you, you lose the force for the trees. And you, mm. you, so that impulse, I would just say in front of the camera and everybody else, that impulse that you have to look at the person in the eye, don't ever lose it. And I wish I could do that for all. We'll have 15,000 or so people sitting in seats this weekend and another 50 worshiping online and then hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. tagging along on demand later. Mm. <clears throat> and I wish I could do it for every single person. I can't, but what God has brought us an army of shepherds. Yeah, I mean, the pastors and ministers that we have here. <clears throat> so relationships are hard, but getting involved in this church is simple. I'm not saying it's easy. Easy and simple are not the same thing. That's right. But if there's any person in this church that wants to be connected, that wants to have gospel partnerships and friendships, and man, we we really do make it simple. It's yeah. not complicated. You don't have to pass a test. You just basically go walk to a connect center and just say, "What's my next step? Mm-hmm. Where where do I go?" Yeah. And we will we will help you get there. Mm. Now again, when you get there, like we've been talking about this whole time. Human relationships are complicated, mm-hmm. but getting involved and connected in this church is simple. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think we have to wrap up here, but he ends this section with what I think is kind of the ultimate disciple maker's prayer. He says, I want your love to grow. I want you to have knowledge and discernment. I want you to prove what's excellent, which is making good choices, I think, you know, filling with the fruit of righteousness all in mind that day when you're going to be presented before Jesus for his glory. Uh, would you close, Pastor Joby, with just thoughts of what that look, what that would look like for that prayer to be answered for 
the Church of Love 22. Sure thing. <clears throat> Let's pray. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this church, um, for this local expression of your body here on this planet for your glory. Lord, I thank you for the men and the women and the students and the kids that you draw unto yourself through this place. God, on behalf of all the pastors and staff, Lord, we are so grateful that you would allow us to be a part of it. And God, my prayer for your people here at 1122 Mm. is that they would know you, that they would abide in you. God, that they would put themselves in the kind of environments that would turn down the noise of this world, that they could tune their ear into you, the good shepherd. God, that they would hear your voice and they would do whatever it is you tell them to do. God, I am confident of this for every single person who has put their faith in you, that what you started in that moment of salvation, you will bring to completion and glorification when you come and take us home. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. You nailed it.